Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Hey, Cecilia, you know the common room at high school, do you remember that? Oh, I remember that, smelly establishment. Yes. Oh, hang on. Well, I was about to say that the Wellness Collective is just like hanging out in the common room, but it's not smelly. No, and it's much more luxurious and more welcoming and we don't have a toasted cheese machine over there. <laughs> Sandwich maker. Or chairs that are tall enough for us to sit on. These ones are actually really tall. Um, but no, my whole thought process there was that that's what we're trying to create, just a place to come and hang uh-huh. out. Absolutely. Have come a coffee, join the, go for a walk. Yeah. It's not like, it's not a party. We don't want you to join a party because that would take effort. You'd have to get up and get dressed. No, no. You can do this for in your uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that be. Yes. We like to think of the wellness collective mm. like that. Everyone's part of it. And we bring someone new to tell a story to you every episode, or sometimes we just sneak in just the two of us. But um Again, remember, if there's anyone you would like to hear as part of the Wellness Collective, please reach out and let us know. Now, today, let's just get straight into it because... Yeah, common rooms have nothing to do with what we're doing today. They don't, but you just think about that idea that mm-hmm. you're in here with your friends, it's all good, everyone's comfortable and the heat is on, mm-hmm. no one's cold. Um, but today, in today's episode, it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster. I'm just going to give you a little warning, okay? So there's some ups, there's some downs, but we come out smiling at the end. We spoke to this beautiful, beautiful woman who has some extraordinary experiences in her life that she was just more than happy to share. I'm Karen Smith and I am the CEO, founder and managing director of Spirit Hive and also Karen Smith International. So we, um, Spirit Hive is a, is a not-for-profit, community-based um, charity organisation that's all about arresting statistics and suicide, depression and anxiety. So we're new. It's really, really exciting. Spirit Hive launched in October last year in 2018 and we're growing at a rate of knots and it's really, really exciting to see so many members of the community jumping on board. We're spreading across Australia already. We should have about um, eight or nine locations opened up by October, November this year Um and our goal is to have 105 locations opened by 2025. Amazing. So that we can be supporting more people in the community. Yes, yeah, very exciting. What was your reason for starting Spirit Hive? Um, well, I guess for me, it's my legacy. I have um, a bit of a story of my own. My partner committed suicide in 2001. And that was most unexpected to me because I thought that he was a tower of strength and I had no idea that underneath the surface he was suffering like he was and I didn't know I I, I mean I've been with him for nearly nine years so I never really you know I never knew and um yeah it, it came as a surprise we were having trouble in our relationship when he did take his life um and statistics now show that a lot of men who do take their lives, it tends to be because there's some kind of family or relationship breakdown or there's issues with custody of kids or there's problems with work and finances. So I guess I was very naive back then. I didn't know. I didn't understand. And um, he, he took his life, which, of course, plummeted me into the depths of despair and depression where I went on my own suicidal journey over a 12-month period. And um, that all culminated on his anniversary, his 12-month anniversary, when I went to Bali with the intention of taking my own life so that I could be reunited with him 
And um, that day that I landed in Bali was the 12th of October, 2002. And for the listeners, they may or may not remember that date. It's been quite a while now, but that was the date of the 2002 Bali bombing. Um, both of my girlfriends were killed and um, I came home with a massive head injury, but also, you know, a massive weight on my shoulders that now I was responsible for the death of three people. Wow. Um, when you look so, back on that time now, do you, what do you wish you could say to yourself as you were going through that? Because that's a huge thing for anybody to have to, to carry the burden of. If I could say anything to myself looking back, I would just tell myself that I will be okay eventually that life will change um, and that I will find purpose in this. And I think a lot of people did tell me that at the time. But, you know, when we're in the heat of pain and suffering, that's not, a time, that's not the time to do the work. That's not the time to do the self-discovery and the inner journey and all of that sort of stuff. That's not the time to do it. The time to do it is either side of it when life is relatively handleable. So, you know, I think that there's been an enormous gift that's come out of the experience. Of course, I would give everything and anything to have those lives back. Um, but in terms of the gifts that have come out of the experience, it's made me focused on making the world a better place to the extent that I'm capable. Mm. And there's a purity of commitment about that that has nothing to do with ambition or money or success it's got everything to do with the spiritual nature of humanity and the human spirit. And so with that I, in mind, what mm. would you say, and this is, I don't mean this in a rude way, but are you like at one point in time, were you just like, well, in the world, am I a magnet for this? Like what's next? Mm. Or, you know, I mean, Why I guess me? you have perspective now and you've found purpose from it. Mm. And I guess that's all part of it. Do you believe that that was just, part of your purpose now? Um, first question, do I think I'm a magnet for it? <laughs> well, I didn't mean that in a rude way, but like I would be at the time, I'd be like, oh, you know, Why I'd just raise happening? my hands yeah. and go, what next? Like, you know, why, obviously, but at some point I would be like, am I attracting this to myself? Or And I know it's a pretty big thing to think I'm attracting, but... No, 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 Nat, I, 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 hands down, if I to look, if I'm to look back and I can't know, you know, I can only speculate and I can only, I can only make comment based on what makes me feel, um, that the experience serves a purpose. I mean, we really don't know. No one can ever know, but in my mind, I absolutely think that I attracted that to myself in, in to the extent that I was suicidal. I was done. I was at the most dangerous point of somebody being suicidal. That's where I was at, where I had already left myself, my family. I'd left everybody and I was devoid of any sensation of love, either being able to give it or feel it. And that's the most, that's when a person is most vulnerable, when they don't have a frame of reference for that, that, that feeling. And, um, so going and being in Bali and experiencing that was almost like it was a, I hate saying this because I actually haven't said it, but I don't know <laughs> why I'm about to, but it was almost like a rebirth for me because if that hadn't happened, I would have found another way to take my life. And I had it all planned. You know, the, the bombing was on the 12th of October, 2002. 
um, Greg's, my partner, his anniversary was the 14th of October 2002. So I had planned my own suicide for two days later. Um, and so I just would have found another way to do it. But I look at that and I think obviously I was meant to have a second chance. Yeah. I think also too, if you are part of something that's a really traumatic experience of that degree, like it, it really does put something into perspective for you because you can't help but be outside of yourself. A friend of mine was involved in the London train bombings, which was around a similar time, I think. Mm-hmm. And he was, uh, he got on a carriage and it happened to be the next carriage along from the one that the bomb was on. And mm. he told me that he made a split decision because someone who was quite attractive caught his eye and he went, I'm going to get on that carriage so I can, you know, perv on that person. And that little decision saved his life that day. Yes. And so all of a sudden his life had this different perspective because mm. you, you just don't know what's going to happen. I was like, that is Incredible. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's the thing too. I can't also, I just keep thinking of what you're saying. I can't imagine what it would be like sitting on that plane knowing that that's what you mm. are going to do. Yep. You know, I, I agree with you, girls. Like it, it's a very difficult concept to grasp um, because it flies in the face of the natural human instinct for survival and when we have people who do take their lives, you know, for want of a better term, they literally are out of their mind. Mm. They are out of their natural mind and they are out of their natural state. And that's how somebody does manage to succeed in taking their life because everything is set up in the human psyche and the human construction to not do that, to not self-destruct. So when somebody does do that, um, they're not in their right mind. They're not in the mind that we can relate to, you know, that, that, that you try to imagine. You can't. Right. You, just, you can't. And I think what's really nice, I don't know, I th- like I'm just thinking about the stigma around suicide mm. and how far we've come because mm. I remember as a child somebody, a family friend, t- took their own life and mm. and my parents were reasonable people but I remember my mum saying, oh, goodness, how selfish of somebody to be. And that was what I knew as a teenager growing up, that if you did that, that was such a selfish act. I think now we get to talk about it more, learn about it more, understand it more and and exactly what you've said, they were not in their right mind. No one would do that when they're in their right mind and how heartbreaking it is to think about it that way. So I actually appreciate and, and thank you for opening up that conversation for the work you're doing because... It's, it's really important. It is important. I think anybody that's been touched by suicide knows the pain of the conversations that you have with yourself over and over and over and over about what you could have done, what you could have seen, what you, you know, what your role was. And, you know, it actually it was probably very little that you could have done in any mm. of those situations. Oh, absolutely. And for anybody who's listening, you know, I... I'm a professional speaker, so I'm speaking about this on stage all the time. And, you know, the last 12 to 18 months when I've been speaking in front of big groups, and I'll ask the question, I'll say, how many people in the room have been touched by suicide, depression or anxiety? And hands, you know, not hands down, but um, there's (laughs) always, everybody's hand always goes up. I was going to say, hands down, everybody's hand goes up. I like (laughs) it. All the people hands up. Absolutely, of course. Everybody's hands Mm. go up because everybody's been touched by it in some way, shape or form. 
And interestingly enough, at the moment, statistics show that one person every 40 seconds takes their life. It's terrible. And by 2020, the World Health Organization expects that one person will take their life every 20 seconds. Wow. So we're not expecting statistics to improve. We're expecting statistics to double. And my view on that, now that I'm well and truly on the other side and have studied psychology and also studied, you know, what goes on with the human brain, mind, gut, body, soul, physically, metaphysically, personally, transpersonally, from every angle, um, what I know now is that it, it's, it has to be a community-based um, problem. It's, it's a community-based problem and it needs to be addressed by communities mm. and it needs to be addressed by us as individuals and those of us that have had, had lived experience, those of us that have the ability to lead or the desire to lead or to create foundations or organisations to make more of this conversation more common but then also to look at, and, and this is where I don't think we're particularly equipped right now, is how do we um, save the person who can't save themselves? Mm. Because when a person is in crisis, like they are on bended knee and in their final moments, you know, um, we are not particularly good at that other than picking a person up, taking them to hospital and sedating them. Mm. So with the spirit hive, is this the sort of thing that you're covering off? Yeah, so Spirit Hive, we've got a couple of different um, uh, streams, if you like. So the main one that we run is our live hives. So they run in local communities on a Sunday and they start at 9, they're done by 10.30. We have a live band. We have a youth area where the little kids from three years old all the way up to 15, they're learning exactly the same content as the adults, but they're just learning it through games and painting and drawing. And, you know, each age bracket has their own um, learning style that we've created for them. And then um, in the main room, we've got the adults and they're learning the same kind of content. So it's everything about human potential. It's everything about the human spirit. It's everything about the meaning of life. But we're completely non-religious, non-denominational, and I just, I've, I've said this a couple of times on the media lately, it's for people who want religion and a belief system that they can hang on to, they go to church. For everybody else, they come to Spirit Hive. <laughs> I like that. Because you, we're completely inclusive where, you know, if you're, if you're Buddhist, if you're, if you're um, atheist, agnostic, if you're Jehovah's Witness, if you're a, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. That's not what it's yeah. about. That's not for us. That's not what it's about. For mm. us, it's about collectively coming together and unifying and finding harmony in our lives and peace in our families and being able to, to do that in a community where people care and there's no clicks. It's easy. You know, you come, you enjoy, you have coffee, you meet amazing people, you can dance if you want to. I sing like Beyonce, not really, <laughs> but I stand up in the back of the room, Boston out of tune. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like something we all need to be doing. Um, we're going to take a quick break because I just am seeing the opportunity to do that because we can keep talking to you all day. Um, but we will be back after this. On this episode of The Wellness Collective, we're speaking with Karen Smith and we're talking about surviving trauma and making the most of our lives that we've been given here on this earth and all the joy that we can bring. How about that for know, a, right? a happy topic? Absolutely. I have a question because I'm a hog of questions. Go on. Go on, hoggy. Karen, in your darkest moment, can you think of when that was? 
What was it that got you just that step further, that minute further, you know, when you feel like it's just all done? You mean what got me through it? Or yeah, what got me like what got you through to the next? To survive? Yeah. Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, you know, leading up to the Bali bombing, I had had many, many dark moments and my family and my friends and seeing how they were suffering because I was suffering, um, that always made me, there was always a part buried very, very deep underneath all of the pain. There was still that part of me that was still me, um, albeit I wasn't looking at it and I didn't and I wasn't seeing it or feeling it anymore there was still a sensation of an um of the essence of me and I'm very very soft and I'm very very loving and when it comes to my family and my animals and the people that I care about you know that's my world so I think there was still that part of me that just took me to the next day um but once you know, uh, that problem accelerated for me. And, and I have to say this out loud, I really do. Uh, when I was struggling the most, there was no support mm. and there was nowhere for me to go where I could um, find a new lease on life. There was nowhere. I must have seen like 30 or 40 counsellors and not one of them had enough to save me from myself. And I look back at that time and it's why I created Spirit Hive now because if Spirit Hive was around when I was suffering, I honestly believe that it would have made me question my thoughts enough, question my belief systems enough, question what I was really seeing, was it my perception or was it my reality? It would have put me into a state of curiosity, I think, and internal inquiry to such an extent that it would have bought me the time that I needed because had I not been in the Bali bombing, I wouldn't be here today. Mm. So I think that we as a community need to be able to be providing that, and this is just, you know, we're just providing one vehicle. I'm sure there's plenty of different vehicles for people to, to find support, but just to be able to, to, to question what you believe to be true. Because when somebody is about to take their life or they're suicidal, what they believe to be true is the most fictitious story they've built up for themselves yeah. and they've, they've invested in it with everything that they have to make it true when in actual fact they're dying for something that's not true. Mm, it's terrible, isn't it? So we want to have these so conversations, sad. though. I think that that's why we have to have these conversations. Absolutely, but it makes me feel so sad that, that you can be walking around feeling that low that there's that you, you don't know what that is that's going to bring mm. you back from that mm. yeah. or that you don't think the there key. is anything that's but that's the key that I think with what we're all trying to pursue now is mm. let's give ourselves something to live for let's live for everything rather than dying for nothing you mm. know let's really give ourselves extraordinary lives that are not based on belief systems or old conditioned thoughts Let's give ourselves lives that are based on curiosity, kid in the candy store experiences, yeah. so that then life becomes this beautiful unfoldment of, um, you know, it becomes texturous. It, be it has colour and it has yeah. richness and it has, you know, it has ups and downs and ins and outs, but 
cheese, man. It's juicy. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I'm glad you said that because uh, uh, the last couple of months I have adopted this principle in my life and boy, I've had fun. Yes. <laughs> I, have been, I have been saying yes to everything. Mm. I say yes when someone says, do you want to get a coffee? I say yes when someone says, do you want to get a beer? And it's a Monday afternoon. <laughs> I say <laughs> I say yes to all kinds of things. I book flights for things, even when my husband was like, mm, I don't know. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I just want to feel like there is a lot to look forward to. And those little conversations that you have during the day with the people, they, you know, you go home and you're like, oh, that was funny when when blah, blah said that. Totally. <laughs> I want to switch gears a little bit if I can because we've spoken and I think it's, you know, this conversation has been so important. And then there's this other side. You know, we come out and like you said, you can't do the work when you're in it. It mm. needs to be this transition and I think that all happens with the, the support and, like you said, the curiosity, the, just that glimmer of, I guess that's what I explain with you when I talk about Geordie and when I had that, just this glimmer of, well, maybe it could be okay, yeah. you know, and it was just that split second thought that then, that's what I was sort of asking you, was, I it's guess on that road of, too, of re, re, not recovery, but just the next step. Because I don't know that recovery is the right word. Do we ever recover? I think it stays with us, but we shift our perspective and the way that we do things. And so once we're beyond that and we can start to live this life we are now, I guess, happier with and, and can actually function in, you something else you talk a lot about is manifestation and creating the life that you want. So I want to bring that in if we can. I know we're running out of time, but, you know, can everyone do that? Or is it just some people are better at than others or, you know, let's talk about that. In your experience in doing that, can everyone oh, do that? Jam. Yeah, right. I know. It's that's my body. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, everybody can manifest the life that they desire. Everybody can. And it's about... I, I picture it like this. I picture these soldiers that stand guard at the front of my mind and they guard my thoughts. And the ones that are creative and that are to serve me and to serve the planet and to serve our animals and to serve a, a bigger purpose or to just serve me for the moment. Like it could just be a piece of banana cake, really. So, <laughs> Manifest. Anzac biscuits here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, Cecilia nice. keeps saying, do you want one of these? Your stomach's really loud. Really grumbly. <laughs> and they're full of gluten and sugar and dairy. Oh, they're no. perfect. <laughs> Oh, I made dear. Last night. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. You'll be manifesting something else with those shortly. <laughs> it's all right. She won't be in my studio then. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, the universe, if, if we to talk universally and let's just go there, why not? The universe responds to ourselves, us to, responds to us energetically. So it's about a combination of what we think and what we feel. So if we can think of what we want and use our brains for that purpose, use our brains and our intellect for imagining and envisioning what it is that we want to experience in our lives. And I only ever go three months at a time. I never envision more than three months. That's your manifest zone. You just go, right, we'll just look at the next three months. That's all I do, three-month chunks because so much changes in that time. Mm. So I, manif- I, I think about what I want to create in that next three months. I write it down so that it's clear and then I feel how it feels to have it and I do that all the time because then I get, you know, I'm a, I'm a very excited person so I get really, really excited and I allow my excitement to carry me away with it. Every time I look at my board, I've got a big yellow board here in my office and it's painted with white, uh, whiteboard paint. 
So I write everything up on there that I want to create and I just get excited about it. And then I, you know, I, I really hand it over to divine timing because everything is as it should be anyway. I have a perfect life the way that it is right now and I'm desperately in love with everything I have in my world. And I think a lot of people miss that step. They think that if I love what I have, then I'll be stuck with this all the time. <laughs> Whereas, in fact, that's not the case. We have to recognize that everything that we have right now is a result of where we have been and what we have thought and what we've created. Everything. Nothing is a mistake. The universe doesn't make mistakes. Nature doesn't make mistakes. So everything that we have right now is a result of where we've been. So in fact, it's an accumulation of our past. It certainly doesn't represent our future. So the only time that we can make change is by making change in the present. And by making changes in the present and becoming present to what you want as the universe is present, then you create your future that way. Mm. Um, I love that Nat said, can anybody do it? But do you think what's the biggest mistake people make when they are trying to get the concept of manifesting? Well, you know, it's, it's not their fault. It's not our fault. We have a conscious mind and an unconscious mind. So our conscious mind represents about 5% of our thinking capacity and our unconscious mind represents about 95%. So it's like if you have a five kilo person going into a boxing ring with a 95 kilo person, <laughs> the 95 kilo person is going to win every day. <laughs> So consciously we can say what we want or envision what we want. Say I want to have more money in my bank account, but I have an unconscious belief system that's been running since I was three years old because my dad always said money doesn't grow on trees and we don't have enough money and there's never enough money and we're always without money. Then I had that unconscious belief system running in the background. That's representing 95% of my energetic magnet when really my magnet needs to be the other way around. So Mm. it's about recognizing what our belief systems are. As they come up, recognize whether they serve us or they don't serve us and then clean them up. And sometimes you might need to get some help. Sometimes you might need to Google it. Sometimes you might need to talk to somebody to get that help to unwire and unhook that unconscious pattern. But ultimately, you know, we want to be free of all of our belief systems so that then when we want to create something, we actually create in the direction of what we consciously want rather than what's unconsciously holding us back. And that's where most of us feel like that law of attraction kind of misses out because we can want what we want so ferociously and we can't understand why we're not getting it. It's because there's an unconscious belief that gets launched at exactly the same time. We push it away. We can't have it for Mm. whatever reason. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And because the unconscious mind represents so much more weight, um, of course, energetically, it's, it's got more pull. It's going to win. One more thing before we let you go. You just touched yeah. on this just before, this whole idea of things happen at the right time for the right reason. Mm. I, I'm always fascinated by that you can be thinking something's going along, you're like, oh, one day that'll happen. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, it's going to happen today. <laughs> oh, you just know it, hey. And it's out of your control. I mean, I know Nat's been going through a bit of this lately with a bit of, oh, my God, it's going to happen. Yes. I didn't know. Yes. And here we go. Yes. Bring it on. And this idea that you just let yourself go with that, that, okay, you know, the time isn't right now, but the time will come and you just be patient. It's a bit ooga booga, but it's so true. 
But I also think in that moment you surrender to what is and I think that's part of it too. Mm. It's a bit of a tricky part but it's surrendering. I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying, oh, you know, that whole Buddhist philosophy that when you let it go, that's when it comes. And how often do we see this time and time again? And I guess it's a different form of manifestation. It's just yep. manifestation in reverse. <laughs> it's like I'm just letting it go. I'm not going not to focus worry. on it. Mm. And often the reason that works is because we've been focusing on it in the completely wrong way that mm. rather than the right way. Mm. So... Yes, our minds are very powerful. <laughs> and let's face it, I mean, if you don't surrender, what's the alternative? Yeah, well, it's it's a lot harder to fight. Oh, and <laughs> we've all been and, in that situation. It's an imaginary battle though, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you want something, you don't have it currently and so you're wanting, 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 wanting and you're in angst and you're in turmoil and you're all over the shop in an absolute circus between your two ears mm. and you're okay. doing it to yourself. It's just we've got to take a leaf out of Elsa's book and let it go. Um, Karen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We would love for you to tell us where people can find both you and Spirit Hive. Absolutely. So you can go to spirithive.org and that will show you everything about Spirit Hive. It'll show you where the locations are um, and definitely come along and join us. It's 100% free. It runs once a month in our in local communities across Australia. So, so great. Come so and join us. We're really, really excited to see you and your kids there. Can yeah. we just say they do karaoke? Karaoke. Spirit Hive. Karen Oakey. Oh, yeah. Love it. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. This has been awesome. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. So there was a lot in that. Yeah. But I think, I mean, how, like I said, it's just so extraordinary. I think the time that we're living in that we get to have these conversations Mm -hmm. and that we get to be creating a community where people feel supported. And breaking down taboos. Yeah. I think actually over the last probably four or five episodes of the Wellness Collective, we have spoken to people of different backgrounds who are all looking at talking about opening conversations Mm. and breaking down taboos, whether it be relationships, whether it be death, whether it be trauma, you know, whether it be anger and and difficult emotions. Mm. All of it is so much better when we talk about it. Absolutely. Fancy that. Absolutely. We do want to make special mention um, if you are feeling like, you know. If this has resonated with you and you need some support. Or you are feeling like, you know, Karen said that there was, it got to rock bottom. Mm. Um, The lifeline number is 131114. Yep. Keep that in mind. Now, before we go. Yes. You do love a review. I do love a review. And just recently there was one delivered to us that was just very special. So we will share that before we go. Of course. And also in the same vein, I actually like to have these frequently to read out. So you are going to need to leave me one Mm. because after this one, well, this is the latest one. There are no more. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This person, their username says that sweary mum. Love her we already. We love her already. Um, love the podcast Beyond Words. Well, we well, love that too. You can leave the words mm-hmm. to us then. That's um, fine. She says, I'm pretty late to the world of podcasts and yours was one of the first I stumbled across. I love the work you girls do and have recommended you to everyone I know. Please do more Insta live recordings. Guess what? We're going to do one. <laughs> and it was great. It was great fun to watch and... Um, be an ultimate part of it. Lots of love from the woman who was procrastinating about stripping the beds. <laughs> That's because we spoke about procrastinating in that episode. If you haven't caught that episode, Cecilia and I decided we were just going to take the mic. Take- Let's have a little catch up, really. We would love to know if you want more of that as well, because, well, 
we're good at talking. <laughs> In case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> hey, uh, but yeah, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Like mm. I said, it was up and it was down, but I think in the end we ended up finding out about how we get better at manifesting and everyone wins in that situation. Absolutely. So very happy to have brought all that together. Natalie, Cecilia. I love spending time with you. Likewise. I'll catch you next time. Oh, well, you're leaving me. <laughs> yeah, just until the next one, don't okay. worry. Okay. But we do hope that this episode has left you feeling happier, healthier and better. 